just got three things to say. God bless our troops. God bless America. And gentlemen, start your This is In The Zone, your home for Solana Sports Talk. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. On 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM. That is a disgusting act. Personal file, 69, offense. He was giving them the business. Now, here's the host of your show, Jackson Schneider. What is up? Welcome into In the Zone today here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL 106.7 on the FM dial. Uh, I am Jackson Schneider and it is Wednesday, July 26th. It's our first full show of the week. The Royals with that afternoon contest earlier today against the Cleveland Guardians means that we have the full hour allotment of our show today. And I am going to jam-pack it with content today, and that is a promise, because we've only had about 15 to 17 minutes of the show each of the last two days, and as good as the stuff we've used in those two days so far this week have been, in talking to K-State's Daniel Green and R1S1 Wave the Wheat's Matt Tate yesterday, like, this is so much better. It's so much better. I've got so much for us today. Um... We will visit here in just a little bit with the athletics director at the University of Cincinnati, John Cunningham, and he is a fantastic interview. Great stuff from him just to help us get to know the University of Cincinnati just a little bit more and what they'll bring to the Big 12 Conference, and I'm very excited for you to hear that. And then we'll finish the show with one of the smartest people in all of college football. This guy knows more college football than just about anybody on the planet, and I'd be willing to bet on that one. I I think he far and away is the most informed, and he's kind of a psycho with how he does it. He watches multiple games all at once, and he watches film and tape, and he talks to coaches. He's crazy, but you don't get the best college football preview magazine without doing things like that, and that's exactly what Phil Steele does. And uh, we'll talk with him about college football, K-State, KU, the Big 12, and beyond. And he is awesome. Guy knows so much about college football. I can't wait for you to hear that. And it'll help you get just a little taste of college football, um, which is, again, almost exactly a month from today. Week zero is August 26th. So exactly one month from today, week zero kicks off. But uh, we're getting there. We're getting close. It's almost the final countdown, so uh, have to get some of these college football guests and get you started in that way. But uh, that's the final segment, Phil Steele, today of Phil Steele's College Football Preview Magazine. Uh, but yesterday, the Division II ranks and the MIAA here locally had their football media day, and they brought in all of their football coaches and some players and and media members, obviously, and they they answer questions and talk about the season. And we don't have time to really get into all of that because it is a ton of stuff. But I am going to play you the opening statements of each of the in-state MIAA college football coaches uh, just so you can get a little taste from each one. Uh, And we'll, we'll, some of them, keep it a little shorter than others. So we'll start there. Uh, Brian Wright, he is the head football coach of the Pitt State Gorillas. 
And he kept it very short, like 30 seconds short with his opening statement because his team is very, very good. They're a consensus preseason Division II top 10 team. They were picked in both of the media and coaches' polls to be the number one team in the MIAA this year. And uh, here are his opening remarks to MIAA football media days yesterday. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us. Uh, certainly excited to be here, excited for this time of year, and and uh, excited to get started and go to work with uh, – you know, guys on our football team like Mike and Trace here, we have a great group, great leaders, and uh, just uh, fired up to get going. <laughs> See? Short and sweet. I promised you. It was quick. It was very quick. Um, but uh, his team will be very good. They were 12-1 and last season, and I'm sure they will be putting together another solid campaign. They actually just announced uh, today, actually, that they are also going to be launching a network like the Pitt State athletics broadcast network and they're going to be put in three different states and several different radio stations and just expanding the footprint at the perfect time for this team that's going to be in the hunt for a national championship this year uh that's how good they are so very exciting stuff down in pittsburgh for the gorillas this year and an exciting start to miaa football media days now let's flip up to topeka and Washburn head coach Craig Schurig, they finished 7-4 and four last year in fifth place, and they are vying to just kind of rise up the ranks of the MIAA this year. Big year on deck for Washburn. All right. Yeah, we're, obviously everyone says the same thing, but we're excited to start the season. Uh, we have a really good group coming back. Um, uh, some of the experience we have on the offensive line, um, have a number of seniors, six-year seniors coming back, so we're excited to have them. We have six of those guys, so they'll kind of lead us as we start camp. And then Kellen coming back is, is a really big deal as an offense. And I think he's one of the top you know, players in Division II. And I think he'll expand his leadership role and uh, you know, kind of how he leads our team. Um, and then uh, on the defensive side, uh, Justice here you know, kind of represents our defense. And um, I think you know, we have a lot of guys that are kind of like him you know they're not the tallest guys not the biggest guys but they're really powerful and quick and they'll play really hard and i think our defense can lead that way uh we return our kicking game so kind of like where we are to start the season obviously our first game this year is against pitt state who is voted in as as number one team in the conference and they'll be nationally ranked and uh so we have to kind of hit the ground running uh on day one of our practices but uh love our group love the way uh They've worked, and we're excited, uh, you know, to kick things off. Uh, we'll bring them in on the 5th and start practice on the 7th. So um, thanks again for being here. We love the coverage. And as you know, MIAA football is some of the best football around. So uh, those of you watching uh, these, uh, these media outlets, come to a game, you know, wherever, wherever you're located, come to a home game, see how good a football it is. It's a lot of fun. Craig Schurig, head football coach of the Washburn Ichabods there. He's very right. He talked about how good the football is at the MIAA. If you haven't gotten to see a game, I highly recommend it. There's four different D2 schools in the state of Kansas, all of them very competitive and very fun to watch. Highly recommend it. Could not agree with the Ichabods head coach more. Now, let's go over to Hayes and talk about the 
Tigers of Fort Hayes State and their head coach, Chris Brown. Kind of an underwhelming year last year for Fort Hayes. They had a few close losses and didn't quite meet their expectations. But here's the opening remarks from head coach Chris Brown of the Fort Hayes State Tigers. Is that better? Everybody got me now? All right. There we go. Let's start that over then. Um, of course, last season wasn't what we expected. Um, you had tons of injuries, you know, last year, you know, going into it, but we can't make that an excuse of, you know, why our season was the way it was. Um, I'm going to put a lot of that blame on myself of, of the way things happened last year. And, uh, you know, now we're just looking forward to the 2023 season, you know, with these young men that we have right now um, through spring ball, through morning runs, through spring lifting, and, and even through the summer. You know, these young men have put the time and the work in to, uh, to make themselves better, make this team better, and uh, you know, get us on the, ba- on, right, on, the, on the right track again. So very proud of their performances you know, through these last you know, six months of you know, the grind and the work that it takes to, to be a good football team. And uh, you know, they've done that. So you know, we're, we're looking forward to this 2023 season, and uh, hopefully it's a good one for us. Again, Chris Brown, head football coach of the Fort Hayes State Tigers at MIAA Media Days yesterday. Good stuff from him. I I think that uh, they will probably be one of the teams that's kind of thought on to be lower tiered in the MIAA, but I still think they're going to be a very quality football team. I think they're going to take some steps forward this year. You know, three wins a season ago, and they had several close losses. I just think... Water finds its level, and I bet you Fort Hayes will surprise some people. They were picked towards the bottom in both polls, and I, I just don't I don't see that. I think they have too much talent, and we'll talk about more of them uh, as we get closer to the season. But uh, Fort Hayes, we'll see. I'm jury's still out, but I am an eternal optimist about the Tigers. So let's flip to our last in-state MIAA head football coach, and that's Garen Higgins, head football coach of the Emporia State Hornets. And ESU won nine games a season ago. They had a couple of, like, super close losses. Like, they lost by one point in one game, and they lost by, I think, six in another. And I think all three of their losses were, like, 15 total points. So they were in a ton of their games, uh, but their mission is to to close that gap, to make some of those late plays, win some of those big games, and, you know, they should be vying for a playoff spot, too. They were right on the outside looking in last year, and they have expectations to, to take steps forward this year. And once you hear him speak, his is the longest opening remark of any of these coaches, and he gets very in-detailed about why and, and what he believes they will do this year and uh, the team continuity on the roster, all those different things. But uh, here is is Garen Higgins, and I'll let him do the rest of the talking on the Emporia State Hornets. Yeah, uh, thank you. First off, uh, appreciate everyone uh, for being here. It's good to see everybody. I know football's getting close. At MIAA Media Day it always kicks off that the season's right around the corner. I uh, got two outstanding young men uh, sitting by me today, uh, and Braden Gleason, who's a three-year starter at quarterback, and Jordan Williams is basically a Four-year starter on the defensive line. These two guys are two of our six captains. I uh, also want to recognize I have two of my coordinators here today. Uh, and Coach Mike Laporto, my defensive coordinator, and my offensive coordinator, uh, Vince Castar. Those guys do a great job uh, for me, and they definitely make my job easy. Uh, you know, I'm excited about being here today. Uh, uh, glad to be a part of this conference. That's one thing I, I will say is that I've been – I've been doing this a long time and been doing it a long time at Emporia State, going on my 16th year. Uh, I've been a head coach for 20 years, so uh, my time has been here in this league. And uh, we have great leadership in this league. And Mike Racy, 
who to me is progressive. Uh, if you look at what we've done with the instant replay and, and what he's interested in doing and having a, an alliance for the playoff system, uh, we also have, uh, you know, of course, Phil Laurie, who I think does a great job with our officials. It's first class. You know, the MIAA takes a back seat to nobody. And uh, we got great coaches. We got great players in this league. Uh, so just excited to be a part of the, of, of the conference. Um, nine and three last year, you know, great year. Uh, unfortunately, we came up short, uh, had our opportunities. Uh, our league is such a grind. It's tough, and it's, it's tough to, to get in the playoffs. You know, you lose three games, I think, by a total of, of 15 points. Uh, you know, losing one game, 14 to 13 to Pitt, and uh, we're on the one-yard line the last game of the year against Northwest Missouri. You know, we just got to get one of those games, and we, and we go to the playoffs, but we didn't, and we just didn't get it done. Uh, but we got a great nucleus coming back uh, for us. Uh, you know, we have 13, 14 starters back. I think it's it's important when you have your, your starting quarterback in this conference coming back, which we do, and Braden Gleason, uh, who's done a great job. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, we have no turnover. All our players are back. That's one of the things that's been special about our place is we've only had, I think, three guys hit the transfer portal in, in five years. And that's, that's about who we are and the culture that we have. And, uh, you know, we want to develop our players and cultivate them. And uh, I think we – these two guys right beside me are, are perfect examples of that. Um, you know, we've had, for us, it matters not only what we do, but it matters on how we do it. We've had seven straight semesters of over 3.0 GPA. We had over 1,500 hours of community service. Um, we got great young men in our locker room. We got great leaders. Uh, all those things matter, but at the same time, it matters what we've done over the spring and in the summertime because in this league, everybody's doing the same thing. Everybody is working out in the summer. Everybody's committed. Like I said, this is a, a first-class conference, and uh, our the teams in this conference work that way. Um, but we're excited about the season. We're excited about getting getting started. And, uh, you know, we, we, we feel like we have some unfinished business. There you go. Garen Higgins, head football coach of the Emporia State Hornets, one of the top teams in the MIAA. I believe they were picked third in both polls, media and coaches, yesterday by the all the contingent that was in Kansas City for MIAA Football Media Days. So great stuff to hear from him and big stuff on the horizon for all of the MIAA. Very exciting football season, certainly here to come soon. But uh, that's going to do it for our first segment. Again, coming up next, we're going to visit with the Athletics Director of the University of Cincinnati, John Cunningham. And then following that, we'll talk with Phil Steele of Phil Steele's College Football Preview Magazine. So don't go anywhere. Tons still to discuss here on In the Zone today. I'm Jackson Schneider, and this is 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM. In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL 106.7 as well on the FM side of things as we continue our show today, our first full show of the week. And boy, we've packed it full of fun stuff. Just talked a little bit about MIAA's Football Media Day, which was yesterday in Kansas City. Now we're going to go back to Big 12 Football Media Days as well from a couple of weeks ago down in Dallas. 
We had so many great interviews and got to talk to so many really cool people while we were down there that it was impossible to fit it into one show or in just a couple of days. So we're still working through all of that audio here, and this one is a ton of fun. It's the athletics director of the University of Cincinnati, John Cunningham, and it was great to talk to him and get to know him and his school and what they're going to be bringing to the Big 12 Conference. It was even more fun to find out he has family ties right here in Salina and up in Belleville. So I hope you enjoy this. Kind of a a local spin on an interview with the brand new AD in the Big 12 Conference. Again, here is Cincinnati Athletics Director John Cunningham. Welcome back to In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL 106.7 on the FM dial. We are still Working away here at Big 12 Football Media Days, cranking out interviews with coaches, players, Hall of Fame members, and now we can add an athletics director to our list of, or I guess our bingo card, if you if you will. But uh, the brand new Big 12 member, the University of Cincinnati Director of Athletics, John Cunningham, joining us here on In the Zone. Mr. Cunningham, thank you so much for the time. It's great to be with you. Yeah, this is quite the setup and uh, really exciting for us. It's, it's exciting for the rest of the league as well. Don't get that twisted. We're all pumped up to not only have Cincinnati, but the other three new members of the conference joining. And with my job, I, I kind of get to, to watch a little bit of it all. And I see what it means not only to the new schools to get to join, but it's to the rest of them to add these new cultures, these new programs to the mix. It's just really cool to see. But for our listeners back in Kansas, what can you tell us about the University of Cincinnati and the culture that it brings and what you will add to our conference for us that, uh, as we put you on our list of places to visit in the near future? Yeah, we, uh, we hope you do visit. Um, the city itself is so intertwined with the, the university. You know, we obviously wear the city's name across our chests, and so um, we, we feel connected to this, this uh, you know, three million person city um, that's a river town great place it's very manageable city uh easy to get around and so um, a lot of a lot of things going on a lot of things to do when you come to cincinnati obviously um, but in terms of the university what surprises people it, it's an urban u- university um, but it's certainly when you're on campus it doesn't have that feel at all so it, it's it's created a, a great environment um, when you get to campus and spend some time um, it's forty-seven thousand students so wow. people are really surprised by how big it is not quite as big as ucf that's you know i think sixty thousand, but but it's up there um and you know we again kind of that urban university so it's not a big footprint of a campus we we tend to build up rather than out um but you'll really enjoy it it's it's an agri uh, it's a uh, architectural school and so the buildings themselves are very unique and it's got a real good feel to it I'm glad you mentioned that because when I was in the process of kind of learning about the new members when this was announced over a year ago now, uh, I, I looked at pictures and it sounds silly, but I just went on Google and started looking at the the images of you know the the football stadium and, and the arena that you play basketball in and the buildings on campus and it's one of the reputations of the university is the unique architecture about it and it goes back to the venues that you play your sports in the, the football stadium being right in the middle of of campus and the unique look of it is something that really stood out to me. So can you tell me a little bit about the football stadium and kind of how it works nestled within the camp? What makes Nippert Stadium so unique is it's one of the oldest football stadiums in the country, uh, third oldest, and it, it sits right in the heart of campus, so much so that the university sort of operates within the stadium and and when students walk to class, a lot of times they're walking in and around the stadium to get to class. It's open, 
um, meaning that our student body has a chance to just be in the stadium pretty much whenever they want to outside of when the football team is practicing or playing. Um, and then they can get down on the field. And so they, they spend time down there throwing the ball around and, and uh, you know, playing whatever sports they want to play um, as part of the, the integration of Nippert into our campus. So very unique. Uh, haven't ever seen anything quite like it. It's 40,000. It's really loud. It's tucked in. It's, it kind of it goes into the ground. And so it's one of those really difficult places to play when it's rocking. And in the last couple of years, it's been rocking. Oh, well, yeah, it's, it certainly has. You've got a, a program that's been kind of the class of college football for the last few years. It was 31-6 uh, and six with two different conference championships in the last few years and becoming the first group of five school to make the college football playoff and all of that that comes with it. So you're bringing not only this this culture and this this environment that's unique, but you're bringing in kind of this this history of success and you're coming in as, as a team that may be new in the conference, but not new to success by any means. Yeah, we've always felt like we've played at a power five level, um, you know, at least the last probably 10 years. Um, we've had unbelievable coaches that have come through the program from Mark D'Antonio, uh, you know, to, to Brian Kelly. Um, and it's just been something where we, we've just kind of built it up over time. And I always said in order to crack the code of getting into the playoff, it was probably a two-year process. And so we go, um, you know, we, we lose one game, we go to the Peach Bowl, we come right back, have an undefeated season, and, and go to the Cotton Bowl. And uh, we're in the college football playoffs, the, per, the first non-Power 5 school to do that. And so, uh, yeah, you're right. We've had tremendous amount of success, but we also realize that this is a this is another level. The week yeah. in and week out competition that we're going to face is something that we haven't seen in in a long time. So uh, we got to be ready for that too. I'm certainly ready for it, and I'm ready to see you guys in action this fall. And it's going to be kind of an interesting one for you because you're in transition in a couple different ways, not just within the conference, but a new regime within the football program as Scott Satterfield comes in and replaces what great things Luke Fickle did in his time at Cincinnati. So tell me about the decision to bring in Scott Satterfield and what he brings to Cincinnati. Yeah, first of all, uh, what Luke Fickle did for our program is just unbelievable. And uh, you cannot thank someone enough for, for putting us on that, that national stage, really having so much to do with us getting into the Big 12. Um, so it was important to bring somebody in that had a lot of the same types of qualities. And I think you start with just Scott Satterfield being a blue-collar um, type of coach. And he's going he's gonna to be gritty. He's going to make sure that we have a really – um, uh, tough team. We need to be tough. That's that's kind of Cincinnati in general as a city. It's a tough, tough urban environment, right? That's going to separate us from some other schools. And so he brings that with us. He also brings the fact that, you know, he was at App State when App State went from the FCS to the FBS. Um, and, and that transition went extremely well for App State. Mm -hmm. They immediately went in and started winning uh, conference championships and went to championships. Um, so he brings that. And then he takes over at Louisville uh, after a really tough year. He takes over. They had won zero ACC games the year that he took over and then he goes to three three bowl games in four years uh, at that program and so he's seen it at a very high level um, nothing should surprise him about going into the big 12 and so that's been really important but he's done a remarkable job of winning the the team over quickly um, and getting his system into place well again we're joined by the official athletics director of 
the University of Cincinnati. I don't know why I said official. You're obviously official. You're wearing a suit and everything. But it's John Cunningham. And one of the first things you told me before we even started recording this is you have some ties to our area back in Salina uh, because you are from Lincoln is where you grew up, but your your family is from the area and from Belleville specifically. Yeah, yeah. My mom was born in Belleville, Kansas. Um, we've got connections to Parsons, Kansas. Um, uh, we've got connections to Oberlin, Kansas. Salina uh, and um, and Belleville, obviously. So I know it well. Growing up in Nebraska, there's 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 clearly things. My grandfather and grandmother both went to Kansas State, so they're K Staters, um, and so there's a lot of ties there. And um, think fondly of of all those places. Lawrence is an awesome place to go. Manhattan, Kansas, and Aggieville is an awesome place to go. So I'm really excited uh, for personal reasons to, to be able to travel to Kansas. Absolutely. Well, one thing I've been asking kind of everyone about this year in the new landscape of the Big 12 is where you're looking forward to visiting the most. And I, and I won't hold a gun to your head and say you have to say somewhere in Kansas, but all these new schools that you get to visit here soon, what one are you looking forward to visiting the most? Gosh, I'm trying to think of maybe one that I haven't been to. Might be one that I would, I would, um, well, oh, you know, Oklahoma State. We we go play Oklahoma State. I've never seen a football game at Oklahoma State. So go, so going to Stillwater, I'll, I'll jump in and say that that's the one uh, this year. Again, I've seen football games at Kansas and, and Kansas State and others, but um, have not seen one at Oklahoma State. Been there for a basketball game, but not a football game. Is, is there a, another one in the league that you have been to that's kind of one of your favorites? Well, I went to TCU, so oh, I'm going to really? jump in and say okay. uh, say Fort Worth is is uh, right at the top. So I went to TCU as an undergrad, and then went back there and worked there for five years. So wow. I've got a lot of ties to the Fort Worth area, and so that that's got to jump out so too. Your football fandom has had tremendous success the last few years. I'm sure that was great to watch yeah. because we we talked yesterday at length about TCU. Uh, and the great things that Sonny Dykes and his staff did last year, making it to the national championship game and playing here in the Big 12 championship last year, obviously. So football yeah. fandom for you, Mr. Cunningham, I'm sure has is, is been great. Well, it's, it's funny when you're an athletic director, you lose fandom quickly for every <laughs> other program but your own, which is great. Um, but, but what you do remember is the great people around the program and the people I worked with at TCU that are, just the, that are some of the best, the best human beings that I've, I've had a chance to interact with. So I was really happy for them. My wife still very much follows it. She went to TCU as well and all of our friends. So um, we, we could kind of live through them. They, they tried to get me to go out to the championship game in L.A. And I said, the last thing I want to do right now is get on a plane and go watch a college football game. I was, <laughs> I was worn out. I was ready to, to, uh, to sit back at home. But my wife actually went and spent some time with her friends out there. That's awesome. Well, again, John Cunningham, our guest, athletics director of the University of Cincinnati. Uh, last question that I will ask, because I know you got a lot of interviews lined up today because you're a, a popular guy. The question about Cincinnati's Skyline Chili is one that has rung through this building as funny as it may be to me, where do you stand on that? And, and uh, do you recommend we try it? And it, tell me about it. So I didn't, I, I, some people would say that's not possible to be, but I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of in between, right? Okay. So what I mean by that is um, I will have it maybe once a month. Okay. I don't live there like some people in Cincinnati do. It's amazing. <laughs> some people have Skyline Chili two, three times a week. It's incredible. <laughs> it's part of the culture there. Um, but my kids, I've got two 11-year-old boys and they love it. So they, they, you know, the spaghetti with the um, with the chili on top, 
or the, they call them conies, but they're hot dogs, mm -hmm. little hot dogs. Um, and then they, the, the secret one, so when you go there, get a Cholito. It's a little burrito. And those are the, that's what I've actually ended up going to myself. So I get a little uh, burrito with um, some chili and cheese in it, and uh, that's pretty darn good. So I like it. it. It's worth a try. you got to try it maybe a couple times to, to get your head around it, but um, it, it is a thing for sure. Perfect. John Cunningham, Athletics Director at University of Cincinnati, thank you so much for the time on joining us here today. Absolutely. Good to be with you. Again, that interview brought to you by another one of our great sponsors here at Big 12 Football Media Days, Affordable Transportation in Salina. They make car buying easier. If you're ready for a nicer, newer ride, see what affordable transportation can provide at atcauto.com. That's atcauto.com. Again, great stuff there with Cincinnati Athletics Director John Cunningham. Very grateful for him to take the time to sit down with me and, and just uh, let us know about the Bearcats and what they're going to be bringing to the Big 12 Conference. Had a ton of fun with that interview. We'll have a ton of fun in our next interview as well as we're going to talk with one of the most informed guys in all of college football, guy that uh, pioneered the season preview magazine game. It's Phil Steele of the Phil Steele College Football Preview Magazine. Up next, I've got some burning questions regarding K-State and KU football, plus the rest of the Big 12 and around the world from there. But that's next here on In the Zone. You're listening on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM. Welcome back to In the Zone today here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL 106.7 as well on the FM side. Jackson Schneider pleased to be joined now by Phil Steele of the Phil Steele College Football Preview Magazine here to talk all things college football and, and Mr. Steele, may I call you Phil? It is a pleasure oh, to have you on. Absolutely. Call me Phil Jackson uh, and I appreciate you uh, getting the magazine the last five or six years. Oh, I, I am the one that should be thanking you. It is an absolute pleasure every single year. It's like, what, 350-some pages of all this information on every team and, and rankings and all the, the crazy stuff that you do. I just I have to start there with how do you do it? That much content every single year, how do you go about putting that together? You know, I'll tell you, Jackson, it takes seven full months to get this thing to the press. Uh, we start the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Now, naturally, I've watched every game. i got a setup where I've got 12 TVs in front of me, so I watch every game every Saturday. I've lived the seasons for each of the teams. But then uh, we'll go through and read every story that was written about the team during the season and the first write-through process of the magazine at that point. And then they write the positions, and uh, it takes you through all the ebbs and flows, and you really get a good feel for the team. And so what you write in the positions is the first question is, what kind of shape were they heading into last year? What happened last year? What kind of shape are they heading into this year? The second write-through of the magazine is in uh, pre-spring, and when I get that one, uh, we get the updated rosters, you update the transfer portal moves, and then update all the text and the power ratings. And then the third one is after talking to the head coaches. And this year I talked to 123 of the 133 head coaches. Generally spend, I would say, on the average an hour on 
each call with the coaches, wow. going over every single player of the team, strengths, weaknesses. I send them my team pages, which have every player on the team, uh, all my notes, all the stats, and then they give me their input on them as well and uh, recap the positions. And then I finally do the uh, prediction process at the end. Naturally, I've got a staff of 10 to 12 people working on nothing but college football for seven months. And uh, I think this is it's like getting 133 different media guides all rolled into one. It's it's unbelievable stuff, and how you you just pack it all in there. You know, it's it's unbelievable to me. But the, I have to ask, with the the process that you go through, and now the transfer portal kind of making everything crazy, does that make your your job a little bit harder in compiling all that information? You said it takes seven months, but does it take a little bit longer maybe now than it might have now that you have those late transfers and roster changes? Yeah, absolutely, Jackson. In fact, uh, you know, maybe 10 years ago, we'd go to the press in May and have this magazine on the shelves right at the start of June. Can't do that anymore. (laughs) The portal closes on May 15th uh, this past year. And if you went to the press right then, Uh, you wouldn't capture where the players were landing. So I gave it three weeks after the portal closed. Uh, All the coaches had my cell phone number, so I said, if you get any players signed before June 7th, uh, please text me, and we'll add them to the page. So I'm getting texts on June 6th. We're adding players to the page, changing the uh, – like if it was a receiver, you have to change the receiver right up to adapt to it, uh, change the power ratings, and, and do the adjustment. So made those final three weeks very hectic with the uh, transfer portal active. But I like to think, uh, think that we captured about 95 96% of the transfers that came in. Uh, there's been very little activity since we went to the press. Wow. Again, we're joined by Phil Steele of the Phil Steele College Football Preview Magazine and – Phil, we are smack dab in the middle of Big 12 country and just down the road from Manhattan, Kansas and Kansas State, which had a very special year last year taking home the Big 12 championship. And we heard from Chris Kleiman a few weeks ago in Dallas at Big 12 Football Media Days and, and kind of heard his thoughts. And their mantra seemed to be talking about raising the bar and how they kind of expect to be in a situation like they found themselves last year in the future. My question for you is, is that a, a realistic possibility for this year? Could we see a, a K-State team vying for another potential Big 12 title this year? Yeah, and I think they can. And the key really is, is Coach Kleiman. I think Coach Kleiman is uh, one of the best head coaches out there. You look at the job he did at North Dakota State from 14 to 18, lost a grand total of six games in that span. And he's finally got the program to exactly where he wants, now entering his fifth year. Now, last year, Kansas State had a little more star power. They had uh, Martinez at quarterback, Vaughn at running back, Knowles at receiver, uh, Huggins at nose guard, linebacker Green, cornerback Brent's coming in. They had seven returning all Big 12 guys. This year, six of those guys are gone. They only have one left. So they're a little less star power, a little tougher schedule this year as well. You know, if you look at the teams they miss. They miss three of the Big 12's weakest teams. They take on most of the big boys, with the exception of Oklahoma. And unfortunately for Coach Kleiman, he's 3-1 and one against Oklahoma. So that's the one team he probably didn't want to miss. But, uh, you know, it starts up front with me. And it starts up front with Kansas State this year. All five starters are back on the O-line. It's probably the heartbeat of the team. I like what he did at the uh, running back spot, bringing in Treshawn Ward, 
from Florida State, and they also have DJ Giddens coming back. I don't know if you're going to see uh, a uh, player be as productive as Deuce Wands was last year, but I think those two combined could come close. Phillips Brooks is back at receiver, and then when you look at the quarterback, Will Howard basically took over the quarterback job at the end of the year, had a 15-4 ratio, and I think he's going to have a solid season. So overall, the offense probably won't drop too much this year at all. Uh, defensively, I like Khalid Duke coming back on the defensive end spot. Uh, Daniel Green, Green, a linebacker. Kobe Savage at safety. They do add in a couple of uh, transfers, like uh, Marquis Sigal, who comes in from North Dakota State. So the schedule's tougher. Uh, don't have the star power of last year, but I only have an underdog in two games at Texas and a slight underdog at Oklahoma State. So this team is very capable of contending for the Big 12 title this year. Well, that's going to be music to a lot of our listeners' ears because they have high expectations, I think, every year, but more so now after what K-State accomplished last season. Now, there's another team in our state that took some huge steps last year, and that's the Kansas Jayhawks. And a lot of the questions surrounding them is, can they build on it? Is six wins sustainable, or was this a flash in the pan for Lance Leipold? Is Jalen Daniels for real? I, what is what is your standing right now on the Kansas Jayhawks? Well, you know, I've been talking to Coach Leipold all the way back to his years at Buffalo. I was amazed at the job he did at Buffalo. He took over a, a team that was uh, downtrodden and, and took it to the powerhouse of the MAC his last couple of years. And I talked to when I was talking to Coach Leipold, I told him I was mad at him because uh, you know it made the Big Twelve tougher for me to forecast. In years past, you just list Kansas last, and then you move on with the rest of it. And I can't do that anymore. And he said he did not apologize for that. Now the ironic thing here is Kansas is the most experienced team in the country. They've got 10 starters back on offense, seven on defense, Jalen Daniels back at QB, Devin Neal at running back. Uh, the top four rece- or top six receivers are all back from last year. Defensively, Devin Phillips uh, comes in from Colorado State. He could be a stud up front. Keep your eyes on him. Uh, Barry Hill's back at linebacker. Craig Young is back at linebacker. So this team is more talented than last year, but their schedule is tougher. And no one's going to take Kansas lightly this year. Remember, they got off to that great yeah. start last season at 5-0 and and then only won one of their last uh, six or seven, eight games, I should say. They do have to play Illinois in the non-conference slate. They play Texas on the road, Oklahoma State on the road, Oklahoma at home, Iowa State. I think the key to their season, and if they can get back, back to that uh, six uh, seven, even eight win level, would be the toss-up games. And in my mind, the toss-up games this year are hosting UCF, hosting Texas Tech, hosting Kansas State and going to Cincinnati, all in the winnable category. But they're definitely going to have to bag a couple of those to uh, improve on last year's six-win total. But I love the job Lance Leipold's doing, and this team is stronger than last year's team. Now that's been a lot of the conversation is they felt like the, the team, the roster is stronger, but the schedule makers didn't do the Jayhawks any favor. So I totally agree with you there. But I did notice on your daily blog, Phil, you, you posted some, some advanced lines, and you've got the Kansas Jayhawks about a two-and-a-half-point favorite, right, uh, over Illinois. So is that an early-season indicator of maybe what Kansas might be capable of if they can pull that win off against a very solid Illini team? 
Absolutely. And, you know, when you look at Illinois, they did, they lost, like I talked about how Kansas State lost their star power. Illinois lost a lot of their star power from last year. So there are some question marks. It's early in the year, which is a good time to host that. And as we saw last year when Kansas hosted Duke, that Kansas home crowd can, can be effective. You know, in years past, they didn't have a lot to cheer for. But now after having stuff to cheer for, I think it'll be an excited base. And you're right. In, right now in Vegas, they are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Now that's going to be one that people have their eyes on because it's not often that Kansas gets to host a, a P5 non-con opponent and they're favored. That's that's not you know familiar territory for a lot of people my in in my I guess generation. So it's kind of unfamiliar to us. But we're looking forward to that one and looking forward to the rest of the season as well because this this college football season is interesting to me because you've got a lot of interesting national stories and of course with us being Big Twelve centric, you know the farewell tour for Oklahoma and for Texas. So what do you think? is maybe one of the more interesting storylines across college football this year because I know there's there's tons. Well, the first one would be can Georgia three-peat, uh, you know, because no one has three-peated in college football since uh, you go back to the 1930s when the Minnesota Golden Gophers did it. So can Georgia three-peat would be the big question right now. And then uh, other ones would be uh, – uh, Alabama, you know, can Alabama get back? They were they had a horrific year last year. You know, they were eleven and two and finished number five in the country. It's <laughs> <laughs> not, not up to Alabama standards. Can they get back to being a contender for the national title? I think they do make the playoff again this year. When you look at the Big Ten, uh, the big question marks would be the Big Ten East because you got three teams that are all rated in the top five in the country in my power poll. You've got Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. And when I was doing the magazine, I figured, well, whichever one hosts the other two, I'll go with that team to win the Big Ten. Unfortunately, Ohio State travels to Michigan. Michigan travels to Penn State. Penn State travels to Ohio State. So they each play each other on the road. It's going to make it difficult for the the teams to win. Uh, I went with Michigan in that one. And then when you go out to the Pac-12 uh, you know, you've got four really good quarterbacks coming back this year. You've got the Heisman winner in Caleb Williams. You've got Bo Nix from Oregon. Uh, you've got Michael Penix from Washington and Cam Rising from Utah all back. There are some powerful teams in the Pac-12, and in a four- to five-game stretch, they all play each other, and that might make it difficult once again for the Pac-12 to send a team to the playoff. Maybe they cannibalize itself. So those would be some of my key storylines this year. Plus, uh, how will the American Conference do, losing three big teams to the uh, Big 12 like they do from this year? But they added five teams from CUSA. It'll be interesting to see how that conference shakes out. Again, Phil Steele of the Phil Steele College Football Preview Magazine is our guest here on In the Zone. And Phil, you, you mentioned some of the, the realignment with the American and the Conference USA. There's a lot of, of shifting that's taken place in college football this year, and specifically as we kind of hone back towards the Big 12 here for a second, you know, those four new teams with BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF, there's a lot of buzz surrounding a couple of those teams, but I think... UCF is kind of the consensus team to to kind of step in and win right away in the Big 12. Would you agree with that? And and why might that be? Yeah, you hit it right on the head, Jackson. Of the four newcomers, the only one that I expect to be a a possible contender this year would be UCF. And going over the squad with Coach Malzahn, he told me that they've been preparing for the move for the Big 12 for two years. They might have been the best team 
uh, in the American Conference last year. Remember in the uh, AAC title game, after beating Tulane on the road in the regular season, uh, their quarterback was banged up, and they were playing their third-string QB because their backup quarterback uh, had opted to redshirt. So, uh, you know, they, they might have been the best team in the American Conference last year. They've got 15 returning starters. John Rice Plumley is back. They've got R.J. Harvey, a running back, a loaded offensive line, and they added some transfers to it. And defensively, they were solid last year, added some transfers, a lot of power five transfers, by the way. And so this is a team that uh, moves up to number nine on my experience chart, and uh, I think they are the best of the four newcomers to the league and the only one of the four that I think uh, could play in the contention this year. Awesome. Well, again, Phil Steele is our guest, and and Phil – before I let you go, I do this thing called three and out. Just three quick questions just to, to kind of speed things up and let you get on your way because I know you've got probably several other interviews because you're a busy guy and, and you got to get ready for this crazy season. But the first question that I have for you is how do you relax? I mean, you mentioned it takes seven months to get this thing produced. Is there a way that you kind of take the, the stress off or relax during the chaotic times of putting this great preview magazine together? Uh, probably the only thing, the only time would be, uh, spending time with my daughter. And so that would be, uh, that would basically be my relaxation time. And, uh, so that, that would probably be it. And we try to do a little bit of something, but of course, those are the winter months here in Ohio. So it's not like you can do a lot outside. So my relaxation comes in the summer, June and July, uh, when I get to just, uh, work maybe 50, 60 hours a week and do a bunch of radio shows. Oh, is, is that it? Just 50, 60? <laughs> My goodness. Well, second question I have for you. You mentioned you've got that 12 TV setup to watch all of the games and everything throughout the season. What is that cable bill like? Or are, are you a, a streamer now? Yeah, direct TV. And uh, it, it's up there. And it's because uh, you got the 12 TVs. And then, uh, you know, and actually I do stream on the, on the computer next to it uh, as well. But uh, I use direct TV for the 12 TVs. Well, that's that's insane. I I've got a two TV setup, and sometimes that's overwhelming for me. So I can't imagine. <laughs> but uh, you do a great job with it. The last thing I have for you, I'm going to make you take your shot with the Big Twelve Conference. Who is the Big Twelve champion at the end of this season? You know, this year I went with Texas, and as much as I wanted to pick against Texas because they've they always seemed to disappoint. Keep in mind, they haven't been the preseason favorite to win the Big Twelve uh, since. Uh, 2009. And if you look at my magazine, each of their units actually ranks number one or tied for number one in all eight position categories. They are the most talented team in the league. However, they play one of the toughest schedules. They're the only one of the top six teams in the Big 12 that play each of the other five of the top six teams. So it's a tough schedule. Everybody's gunning for them, but my power ratings say they're the most talented team in the league. It hurts my heart to say I agree with you, but I I think this might be a Texas kind of year. They are just so, so talented. But, Phil, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Can you tell us where we can get your magazine and get a hold of your work, please? I appreciate that, Jackson. Now, in years past, you could drive around and get the magazine pretty much anywhere. It's 352 pages, three to four times the amount of information any other college football preview out there. It's like getting 133 media guides 
all rolled into one. But this year, you can only go to two places, Barnes & Noble and Books A Million. So Barnes & Noble, Books A Million are the two brick-and-mortar stores that you can get the magazine at. You can go online at philsteel.com and order it. And if you go to philsteel.com, I'm going to charge you a shipping charge. It costs to ship things nowadays. However, I'll give you the hard copy and then give you the digital magazine for free. And when you get the digital magazine, uh, it's updated all the way through September. As an example, the Northwestern team page, the head coach is listed as David Braun, not Pat Fitzgerald. So it is updated already. And finally, we have an FCS magazine this yeah. year, two full pages on every FCS team, and that's available right now. So if you want to get information on the FCS, much like you do in my main magazine, two full pages on each team, that's available at philsteel.com, digital only. Awesome. Phil, thank you so much for the time today. We really appreciate it. And uh, thank you again as well for the work that you do on the the College Football Preview magazine. I have one on its way, and uh, I can't wait to get my hands on it. Hey, sounds great. Hey, Jackson, it was a lot of fun talking football with you today. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Phil Steele of the Phil Steele College Football Preview Magazine here on In the Zone. That will wrap up our show, but we'll be back tomorrow at 515 here on 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM.